Shalom Aleichem, we're going to explore the Siches, volume 15, Chelek Tezver, Bayishlach, Yutes Kislev. So, the Rebbe discusses a particular verse in today's Torah portion and connects it and discusses at great length Yutes Kislev. And this is based on the teaching of the Shalom, a famous teaching which the Rebbe would often quote that although the holiday calendar and the Torah portion calendar seem to be unrelated, nevertheless, being that everything in the world is perfect, and certainly everything in Torah is perfect, so the holiday will always, says the Shalah, be hinted and connected uh, uh, in a real way to the Torah portion with which it's associated. And therefore, Vayishlach, which often is connected or always connected to Yutas Kislev, will have a profound place where you can find your Kislev. Incidentally, I believe it's brought here in commentary in the footnotes that the previous Rebbe uh, spoke about such a connection at the last part of Ayishlach, where it speaks about the kings of Edom, which is a hint to uh, of Esau, of Esau, which is a hint to the lights of Tohu, the great lights of Tohu, which fell and broke, which were trying to do the Tikkun, which is very much involved in the teachings and the work of what Chassidus is trying to accomplish, that that's a hint to Yutes Kislev. I don't recall now, but I believe it's in the footnote here. So obviously there can be many connections. The Rebbe zooms in on a particular verse, which seems to be, you know, minding its own business and not bothering anybody. And the Rebbe makes it come to life, as the Rebbe always does. And that verse is that when Yaakov brought over his family over the river, he kept going back and forth and bringing over the people and the stuff. The language is he remained alone by Yivasa Yaakov Levade, he remained alone. And that's where the angel of Esau came and fought him. So, there are two interpretations. What does it mean he remained alone? One is, levado means lakado. It can be interchanged, the bays and the chaf, they look the same, and often they're interchangeable. But he remained for some small jugs. He took over the family, he took over the important stuff. But there were some small jugs, pachem ketanim, as it's called, the small, tiny uh, uh, things. And for a tzaddik, everything is important. So he went back for everything. Incidentally, it was mirrored in a way in the Rebbe's behavior that the Rebbe's secretaries would say how the Rebbe used every single thing. There was no, nothing that was redundant. You know, Rabbi Yaman Klein, Allah Shalom, related that one of his first days on the job as the Rebbe's secretary. He noticed that there were no pads in the Rebbe's room. So when the Rebbe wanted to give out an answer, he would tear off a corner of the letter of the sender, or often the envelope of the sender, or another envelope that was sitting there, tear off a piece, and 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 scribble the answer on that envelope. So Rabbi Klein was bothered by it. Like, why don't they just bring him in, you know, pads of paper? So the next time he went in, he he brought in a, a, a pads and he put it on the table. And the Rebbe looked at him with a very scary look. I heard this from him himself. The Rebbe looked at him like it's almost like you walked into the Kedush Hakadoshim, you know, and you brought in some foreign object. Ever looked at him without saying a word. He grabbed those pads and left the room. Again, we don't know what all this means, but it seems to indicate in one fashion for sure that by a tzaddik, there's no extras. There's no such thing that I need pads. There's an envelope. We're right on the envelope. There's another corner of the envelope. We're right on that. Every part of their gashmi is, is, is perfect and needed and used and utilized to its fullest. So perhaps that's an illustration. But anyway, back to the Sikha. So Yaakov went back 
to get these pachim ketanim, these tiny little insignificant leftover jugs. And that's when the angel got him, because he was alone. And then there's another interpretation to that verse, that this is actually hinting to a tremendous level in Yaakov, vis-a-vis his relationship to Hashem. When it says Levado, alone, that word is employed with Hashem. The Niskav Shemo Levada, the prophet Isaiah says that the, the day of Mashiach, Hashem's name alone will be uh, praised and, and, and exalted. And that's an allusion to the fact that Hashem's essence will be revealed. Shemo Levada, who is alone besides Hashem? Nothing. Nothing is alone. Everything is dependent and interdependent on, on so many things in order to exist. Everything in order to exist needs oxygen and space and, and definition. Who is Levado? Who's alone? Hashem. And when will that alone is that extraordinary level of Hashem be felt and known? By Yemahu. Only on that day, says the Madrish, that Yaakov Avinu, the father of our nation, right at the start, even before the start, experienced that level, that concept of aloneness. Ayyibasa Yaakov Levado. Yaakov, and by extension, Ayyid, is also Levado, is also something that is completely alone, completely unique. And independent of every other existence, it's 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 a reflection of Hashem's essence, which really a yid is a chelakalakamimal. The yid is one with Hashem. Says the Rebbe, look at these two interpretations interpretations on this same verse. One is from the Gemara, one is from the Medrash. One speaks of it as a very plain verse, a very simple, unimportant verse. He's picking up jugs, and the other is aha, he's connecting with the essence of Hashem, the gift of Yechida. And we know there's another principle, which I believe also comes from the Shalom, that um, that uh, that when there are various interpretations, Pirushim, on the same verse, they all have to be connected. So how do you jive these two? That's the opening question. And then in connection to that, the Rebbe says, let's talk about Chassidus. If you're talking about jiving two very extreme opposites, the simple drugs or the yichida, the essence, let's jive. In Hasidus, we find two diverse interpretations of why Hasidus was revealed in the later generations. If Hasidus is true and it's part of Torah, therefore it always existed. How come it wasn't revealed in the prior generations? Only in the latest generations, which are lowly generations. The language is, if we are like people, the prior generations are like angels in terms of their inspiration and connection. And if they're like people, we're, 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 we're less than that. And yet, in our generations, that's when Hasidus is revealed? It doesn't make sense. It's a question. The Rebbe Rashab asks us, how could this be? So the Rebbe says there are two answers given to that question. Obviously, both are true. They're so opposite. One answer is given, it's the darkest time. We're getting ready, we're in the end of exile, and we need it in order to survive. As the famous story that uh, happened in the time of the al Rebbe, that um, that uh, they gave the analogy that the there's a Ben Melech, there's a prince who is deathly ill, and they can't find any medication. And finally, somebody discovers that the crown jewel that's holding together the entire king's crown, the essence of the kingdom, if you will holds that power, if they grind it up and they put it in the kid's mouth, mixed in some kind of solution, it might save him. And as the analogy goes by then, the child is sicker and sicker. You don't even know if it'll work. You don't know how much will go into the mouth, how much will be able to swallow. Says the king, I, I don't care. Grind it up. Take my chances. 
destroying the crown jewel or what have you, just in case, because the child and the is the uh, the um, the prince is what counts. Similarly, in the end of exile, the Jewish people, Hashem the prince, are in need of inspiration and connection, and therefore Hasidus is revealed. It's the darkest time. Alternatively, though, we find the totally opposite interpretation. Because we're getting close to Mashiach. We're getting close to the time when the great light of Torah and the knowledge of Hashem will fill the earth. Ha! Like before Shabbos, you have to taste the foods of Shabbos. Says that ever take a look here too. You find the two extremes. One answer says it's the darkest time. And one answer said it's the brightest time. Like, how do you reconcile that? And this becomes the pattern of this very, very interesting sikha, important sikha, one might say, in Chassidus and in the Rebbe's teaching, that the Rebbe is going to show us that the whole idea of Chassidus is very much related to bridging extremes. And why? Because the idea of Chassidus as the Baal Shem Tev was told by Mashiach himself, that when will Mashiach come? When your wellsprings will uh, be completely spread out to the outside. And as the Rebbe speaks here and in other places even more in detail, but here too, that, that every word of that phrase is precise. We don't say when your waters will spread out, when your wellsprings. It doesn't say Shehefutsu mei mainotecha. When your waters will reach the furthest place. No. The wellsprings, that means the highest place, the essence of the water, the source has to come. And where does it have to go? To the furthest place, to the outside. Because that will show the infinity of Hashem and of Torah. Right? Who is a brilliant teacher? The one who can teach the bright students in front of the room? Or the one who can teach the students the back of the room more simpler. Think of a brilliant teacher who gets up there and says such things in such a brilliant fashion that even the people in the back of the room who are very simple and they too can understand it fully. That's a greater light. That's a greater. Hasidim give an analogy further. Not only could he teach a student, he could teach. That's what it means to reach it to the outside. Because the outside means something that is not in within the realm of, of appreciating the wisdom, appreciating the light that's coming forth. Because if it is within the realm of appreciating it, you haven't come to the furthest place. You can't say it's the outside. It's not the outside. It's a little further away. It's just a matter of degrees. When we say we want these wellsprings, we want them to reach where? Chutza, as the Rebbe would often use the phrase, chutza she'en chutza himenu. When we say outside, we mean outside. We mean it. Where there isn't possible to get beyond that, don't tell me that it's a, a great student, a simple student, a simpler student who's understanding. The cat is understanding. The table is understanding. This is my example, but it's it's said by my, I've heard it many times from Rabbi Yael. I want to also thank Shmulek Shor, who his classes on the Sikha helped me prepare this class. So that's what it means. Again, you see how we're we're connecting extremes? So this is going to be the pattern of this Sikha. Connecting extremes. As the Rebbe began the Sikha, in that verse, and also in the two diverge, divergent, diverse reasons of the purpose of Hasidus coming now, the whole Hasidus is about extremes. The wellsprings, not the water. 
coming to the outside, not to a faraway place. Teaching your wisdom to the rock, something that's not even capable, it's not in the realm. You talk about it's the lowest world. It's a world that doesn't understand anything. There's no divine light, it's just physical. It's not a low level of divine experience like the world of Berea, Yitzira, the spiritual world of Asiya. No, it's just tables, chairs, it's physicality. It is what it is. It doesn't look for source. And in that place, that's Hashem's home, that's Chutzah. Doesn't get further. And then we say not only should the wellsprings, the highest, come to the lowest, but they should come in a way of your futsu. Your futsu means they should be completely integrated. Sometimes you can shine a great light to a very far place, but it's not integrated. You walk into a dark room, it's a giant room, and it has chairs and tables and furniture and all kind of stuff. It's a very complicated room, but you don't see. You put the light on, in one second, the whole room is lit up. Or if you walk outside at night and it's dark, and you see the whole world, you can't see anything. Suddenly the sun rises in the morning. Ah, you can see the whole horizon and you see a beautiful world. So the sun changed the world, but not really. If you wait long enough, that sun will disappear and the world will remain just the way it was. Just a minute ago, the whole place was lit up. What happened? The sun left. It should at least leave some impact, some impression that the world should remain a little light. For the last 12 hours, it's been lit up with this dying sun and everything was beautiful and visible, crystal clear, some impact. No, it doesn't work that way. It didn't integrate it. That's not your futsu. The sunlight came here, but it didn't change here. It didn't become here. And therefore, when it leaves, it's like nothing happened. A flip side of that example would be, let's say the fact that the sun has healing powers. The sun has the ability to cause things to grow. So the sun hangs around and causes healing or causes growth. And when it leaves after the season or what have you, it may have left, but its impact is there. That's more of an example of Yerfutsu. It's integration. And that's what we want. We want the highest to come to the lowest and permeate the lows. Not just show up there and push its weight. Like when the sun just shines. Everything is lit up, but it didn't become enlightened. I want to give one more example for the difference between Yofutsu and not Yofutsu, because I'm going to use that example throughout the Sikha. And that is, the soul is the light that illuminates the body. It's an extraordinary combination of a soul, of a spiritual koyach, spiritual energy, early spiritual, which comes into a piece of flesh, when the soul leaves, it's just flesh. It's a piece of meat. And suddenly the person lives. Wow, unbelievable. Think about the difference between the impact of the soul on that body in an infant, kids a day older or, or a month older, year old, versus an adult. And let's use an example, a, an accomplished adult, a tzaddik maybe. In the, in the tzaddik, or the accomplished adult, fully grown adult, the soul is completely permeated the body. The person could walk. So the feet are impacted. The hands are impacted. He has talents. The emotions are developed. It doesn't have to be a tzaddik. The point being a developed person, the soul and body are integration. 
they become one. Every single part of the body, the mind, the person has ideas. The body became sold. Just made up that word. The body became so every part of the person is integration. That's called chutzah, one might say. Whereas in the baby, the baby's alive. There's no question the soul is in this body and it's having impact. But you can't say it's integrated. You can't say that it's been developed. It's showed up and it's pushing its weight and it's definitely, you know, impacting the body. But it hasn't been integrated fully and fully developed as much later. So that would be an example when it's not Yafutsu. And what we want is Yafutsu minus Echa We want for the highest energy, the essence of Torah, the essence of everything, to reveal in the lowest place and to reveal so with integration. So that becomes the introduction. And that is how the Rebbe is going to uh, present the Sikha. So let's take a look at this little spreadsheet. So what do we do so far? What do we do so far? What am I doing? Um, so we we uh, we talked about the verse of Yaakov reminds alone, and we talk about the lowest and highest interpretation. Talk about the reasons for revelation of Hasidus. Now we talked about the lowest and highest interpretation of why that is, and we're saying that really this idea of combining the opposites, the lowest to the highest, is very much related to the theme of Chassidus. Because Chassidus is, the goal is not just to reveal it, but to reveal it in the chutzah from the highest to the lowest as discussed. Fully. And the analogy as we're giving now is the soul's integration within a child. Uh -uh. It's got to be within an adult. It's got to be permeation. Says the Rebbe, I want to explain this on all three levels of Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem. The famous teaching of a Chazal, Yisrael, the Jewish people and Hashem and Torah are one. You might say Torah and the Jewish people are manifestations of Alakus. And therefore, and therefore, when we say that the idea of the Chassidus is to teach the Torah in such a way, to bring the essence, the wellsprings, bring it to the furthest place and integrate it, it's not just in Torah. It's in the Jewish people, and really it's in Hashem, it's in the world. The whole idea is to lead the world to Mashiach. It's not just uh, some kind of trick that Mashiach tells the Baal Shem Tov. You know what? If you teach your teachings to the furthest place, and they're integrated, I'll show up. I'll reward you. It's, 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 a, it's a direct consequence, because Torah and the Jewish people and Hashem are really one. And therefore, what does it mean that you reveal the essence of Torah everywhere? That means you reveal the essence of the Jew to every Jew and every part of the Jew's life. And ultimately, you reveal Hashem's truth, the essence of Hashem, Labado, uh, to the entire world, completely integrated into the entire world, which is what Mashiach is about, that the whole world feels Hashem, the whole world recognizes all it is is an extension of Hashem, in a way of integration. The example I always like to give about this, when Mashiach comes, it says that when a person is going to go on Shabbos, God forbid, and want to pick a fig off the field, which is a violation of Hashem, the fig is going to say, you can't pick me, it's Shabbos. I don't know if the fig is going to speak in English or in Hebrew, and if it's going to be verbal or audible or not. But somehow the fig is going to bespeak it. What's the beauty of that, of that idea, of that truism, that prophetic truth? 
it's still going to be a fig. It's still going to be nature. It's not going to be a miracle. You know, there are a lot of times in history when Hashem made a miracle and overpowered the world. He said, don't you do that or else, you know, 10 plagues. We're going to see whatever it is, bad stuff happening, good stuff happening. Hashem is showing he's the boss. Don't mess. Normally, when you look at nature, you don't see that you can do what you want. Comes along the time of Mashiach and shows the world and Hashem will be so integrated. The fig, it's still going to be a fig. It's it's not going to fall from heaven. It's not going to be mana from heaven. It's going to be a fig that, that grew. Presumably somebody planted it. And nature is going to say, you're picking me on Shabbos? It's an impossibility. The same way you, when you, you want to put your finger in fire. The fire says, don't do it. You don't need instructions not to do it. If you have a brain in your head, you can't do it. It's not a miracle. Wow, look how well-behaved he is. He doesn't put his finger in a fire. He doesn't walk in front of a truck. It's not, it's not doable. So reality bespeaks the truth. And that's what happens when Mashiach comes. The fig, everything in nature. The fig is just an example. The entire world. If you wonder how the whole world will serve Hashem and world peace and, 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 and spend their whole time praising and elevating the Jewish people so that they could do their mission. How is it possible for the whole world to do that? Because the world will become integrated with Hashem's truth and realize that all it is is part of that truth. The wellsprings, the essence of the truth, will come to the chutzah, the furthest place, to places that are unimaginable. The physical world, Goyim, seven billion people. The whole world becomes integrated. This is Hashem's world. This is Hashem. You can't do something that's a violation of Hashem. You can't pick that fig. It's not work. It doesn't happen. That's total integration. So therefore, you test Kislev and Gili HaChasidus, the revelation of Hasidus, and this whole thing, which the, the Rebbe Rashab said that when did the real wellspring start spreading out on Yutes Kislev? It's not just about revealing Torah, the deepest Torah to the simplest level, and that's not really a just, but it's by extension revealing the essence of the Yid to every Yid, and to every part of the Yid, and also, and ultimately, and by extension, revealing Hashem and all of Hashem to the whole world in an integrated way. Not like the child whose soul is like sort of pushing him, but he has not yet integrated it. You might say that's almost like a miracle. It's a top-down thing. Hashem is pushing the world to behave. No, like an adult. It's integrated. Body becomes sold. The world becomes godly. Or better yet, it's revealed that it's what it is. And therefore, says the Rebbe, if you want to understand Yutes Kislev, let's look at it on all three levels. Yisrael, the Jewish people, Eiraisa, Torah, and Kuchabrichu, Hashem, how all three, the essence of them becomes revealed to the furthest place and in a way of integration. That's Yutes Kislev. Combining opposites. And at the end of the season, therefore, we'll be able to answer the top of the screen these two questions that, again, show combining opposites. So the Rebbe says, Let's talk about Torah first. And the Rebbe says, Torah has its higher levels, the hidden secrets, Kabbalah, and its more revealed levels, Halacha, let's call it, Pshat. And they're very different. The higher levels of Torah speak about heaven and spiritual things. They're, they're, they're by definition, hidden. The lower levels of Torah speak about laws in our world. What happens with the milk and the flesh? It's all about the laws. It's very revealed, very close to our sensibilities. 
uh, these two parts of Torah are very divergent. They're very distant, so to speak. They're not, they're not the same style at all. Now, even though many people, especially great scholars, often studied both, obviously more increasingly so since the Arizal and the in recent generations, but throughout history, there were people who studied the revealed and the esoteric, and many studied both. But they still saw them as two Torahs, two parts of Torah. You know, the top and the bottom, the lowest and the highest. They weren't one, they weren't integrated. Clearly, the person who studied both, the study of the mystical impacted the way they studied the revealed. The person studied just Gemara and Halacha, and they never studied Kabbalah, what have you, or Medrash, whatever was perceived then as the deeper parts of Torah. If they didn't have that knowledge of the mysteries of Torah, of the, of, of the higher level of Torah, they just studied the, the, the revealed part. So maybe they didn't study it with the same life and with the same appreciation for Hashem and for the holiness of Torah. Because they're studying laws that are tangible in our world. They're busy dealing with an ox who's goring a cow. And with the milchiks and the fleshiks. So it's wonderful, but but Hashem's wisdom is, is hidden within these physical examples. And the person is not going to live, is not going to study Torah in such an enlightened fashion. Those who studied also Kabbalah, etc., and so the hidden parts of Torah, where Hashem's light is more revealed, clearly, even when they studied Halacha, they studied it with a different passion, with a different life, with a different chayas, or a different sense of respect for the holiness of Torah, because they know that Torah is not just about pots and pans and oxen and cows, it's about divine spheres, and therefore the, there's no question that their study of the secrets of Torah and their study of the revealed of Torah one impacted the other. They were separate and apart. Again, the analogy of the baby. The neshama is alivening the baby. The body is living. There's no question about it. But you can't see the, the body reflecting and expressing all the details of the neshama. That's what a neshama is. That the baby can sit there and cry and, and excuse me, making his diaper. That's what the neshama is. The neshama hasn't even begun to express itself in the baby. But it's having an impact. A huge impact. But not in a way of integration of your food. Similarly, yeah, their study of Kabbalah impacted their study of Nigla. It gave them chayas and love for Hashem and love for Torah. It's a different type of year that studies also Nister, as it was called. To a Jew who only studied Nigla. They looked at it differently. They were alive. But in that sense, their hidden Torah impacted their revealed Torah like the baby's neshama impacts his body. Not integrated. Comes along Hasidus and integrates it too and tells you, hello, it's one tater. It's one thing. It's a body and soul of a mature adult. Where if you look at the body, you look at the hands and then the feet and the mind and then the heart and the eyes and the ears, you hear integration, you hear development. The ear has a good ear and the eye and sees and the heart has developed character. The mind appreciates fine things. The body is sold. Similarly, the person who learns chassidus today, the nigla that they learn is totally different. And we see this in the teachings of Chassidus, that Chassidus explains many in Yonim of Halacha, many concepts of Halacha with the minutia of Halacha, how they exactly with the details reflect the mystical teachings behind them. 
The Rebbe doesn't give an example in the Sicha, but, you know, for example, I don't know if this is a precise example, that, uh, you know, you learn on Shabbos, the detailed laws, you know, to carry from a private domain to a public domain and vice versa. In Hasidus, there is an exact reflection, an exact uh, 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 reflection of that, parallel to that in the spiritual. That the, you can't, a public domain, a shusarabe means the place of klipa where everything is the place of the many, the multitude. You don't feel the achtos, the oneness of Hashem. Shusayach is a private domain where you feel the oneness of Hashem. Aha, you can't carry from one to the other. We cannot confuse. We have to be clear about the fact that the, the world needs to be integrated and become a place of, of yachid, shusayachid. Things like that. So, what are you seeing here? That in halacha and in the minutia of halacha, you see the Kabbalah and vice versa. If you learn the halacha without the details, you won't get an appreciation of the details of the Kabbalah. If you learn the halacha with all of its details, you're talking about oxen and cows, comes along and finds within those details that seem to be bogging down the conversation tremendous illumination Shmulek Shur in his shir gives an example of the Rebbe's Rashi says. the Rebbe shows that in Rashi on the one hand it's Pshat the literal interpretation, the most basic on the other hand within there is embedded the deepest secrets if you read a good Rashi where the Rebbe explains both extremes the Rebbe is showing you not only does Rashi contain both but if you want to access the wine of Torah, this deepest level of Torah, you have to study the Rashi first on the simplest pshat. Don't gloss over it. And only in those minutia of the simplest pshat will you find the deepest, the deepest, the deepest secrets embedded. So you see, it's one Torah. This is hardly an infant being illuminated by a soul. This is a developed body and soul becoming one. Torah's body. Halacha, Rashi, and Torah's soul, Kabbalah, and spirituality are mamish one. You want to find the wine of Torah, the deepest secrets? Look in the pshat, and don't gloss over the pshat. Find the deeper. To me, another example of this is the Rebbe's Rishimis, the Rebbe's Torah in general, but in the Rebbe's Rishimis, personal writings which were discovered after Gimel Tammuz, we find a lot of that, where the Rebbe takes a halacha and takes, or a Mishnah, and every single word of that Mishnah is saying something spiritual and Kabbalistic, so here you see integration. So that is how we find this integration in the Torah level. Again, the wellsprings reaching to the outside in a way of Yafutsu, of integration. Now we learn Chassidus, now since the advent of the Baal Shem Tev, especially Chabad, and the wellsprings, the deepest chassidus, the deepest Torah, is understood and it impacts the way a person learns nigla and vice versa, and to the point that it's one and the same. Number two, the Rebbe says, let's talk about the yid. Person, individual yid. Individual yid has two levels. The highest level is their faith. Place in the soul where they feel Hashem. A much lower level of appreciation of Hashem is the intellect, where the mind, through study, understands whatever they're able to understand about Hashem. It's obvious that these are two extremes. The soul sees Hashem, because Hashem is true. The mind understands Hashem because it decided that it likes the idea of Hashem. This is a, a bottom-up thing. You can't compare, you can't connect it. Comes along, and again, 
throughout history, Yidin learned about Hashem. There are many books of Machshava, etc. Hakira, philosophy, Jewish philosophy, etc. With their mind, and also Yidin had a Muna. And clearly, when a Yid learned Torah and learned uh, and learned philosophy of Hashem with their mind, trying to grasp Hashem with their mind, it was clearly impacted by their faith. Can't compare when a Yid studies philosophy of Hashem, Hakira, books of Rambam and others, to the way Lahav Lagai, because the Yid has a Muna. So one impacts the other. But again, it's like that baby where the soul is, is illuminating the body, but it's not really fully expressing itself. Comes along today through Chassidus, it's Chassidus Chabad. That's a contradiction in terms. It's like a lacrosse to the mind. It's like faith to the mind. And when a Yid learns Chassidus Chabad, his mind is understanding objects of faith. His faith becomes more logical. His logic becomes permeated with faith. It's almost hard to know where one ends and the other begins. Then the Rebbe says, what about in the Jewish people as a whole? We have the tzaddikim. And we have the, the average people. One of the impacts of chassidus was to make a connection between the two. In all generations, there were Rebbe's, and every generation there's the head of the Jewish people, and there's the Jewish people, the leaders, the tzaddikim, in every generation. This is since Meishu Rabbeinu. However, chassidus revealed and emphasized the concept of hiskashos, that the average Jew is connected in a deep way to the tzaddik. Exodus is full of stories of miracles, and, and, and you go, this is a big deal in chassidus. One might say, what do you mean? It always was. There's always tzaddikim. Rambam, Rashi, Rabbi Akiva, throughout history. And they led the Jewish people, and, and, and by their light and their wisdom, the Jews lived. There's no question. There's always the Rov and the Rabbonim, G'dayli Yisrael. So as the Rebbe writes in Hayyim Yayim, that uh, it's true, but before, it says that the, 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 the Tzaddik, the Rosh Hashiva, the languages, he was lonely, he was elent, and the people were lonely. And Hasidus, he says, the Alter Rebbe accomplished. That the Rebbe is not elegant and the Hasidim are not elegant. The Rebbe is not lonely and we're not lonely. What does that mean? What changed? There were always Jews on all plain levels and there were always Sadiqim, giants. What changed that Hasidim took away that loneliness, that there's something called iskashas to a Rebbe, they're connected. So let's first understand why it's a challenge, why it's a Chiddush, why it's an innovation to say, why shouldn't they be connected? Why were they connected? In what way were they not connected? So, so the way to understand this, Chassidus uses the example, a Rebbe is called the head. Reish B'nai Yisrael, that's the word the Rebbe stands for. And the rest of us were, let's call it the feet. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Sheish me'esel faragli ha'am ha'sharonechi b'kirbe. That there's 600,000 feet, which I am within them. So there's the Moshe, the head, and then there's the feet. Think about the difference between a head and a feet. They're both alive. They both have a body and a soul. The head, even though it's all about soul and spiritual, it also has a physical flesh. The feet, even though they're physical primarily, they also have a soul. They can dance, they can walk, they can run. However, think about the roles, the perspectives of soul versus body and their import in the soul versus the feet. You can't compare it. In the head, he's not about the, the physical physicality of the flesh of the brain. It needs it as a place to express itself. But what is it about? It's all about the brain. It's all about the spirit, the soul. It's all about the, the wisdom that shines through that piece of flesh. 
The flush is just a wick to carry the flame. It's a tool. Conversely, in the leg, it's the exact opposite. The leg is about physical. I want strength. I want to become big and strong and be able to run fast. The soul helps me. So in the head, soul, flesh is serving soul. And in the foot, soul is serving flesh. What does that mean in, in the analog of the tzaddik versus us? The way the, the way the yid looks at Hashem, the soul of the universe. The tzaddik says, yeah, of course I, I, I exist. But why? In order to manifest Hashem. The world exists in order to manifest Hashem. Just like in the analogy of the brain, I need the flesh in order for the for the soul's wisdom to have a place to, to hold on to. But it's not about me. It's about Hashem. And I'm blessed and fortunate to be here to manifest Hashem. Comes along, whereas the the the, the regular yid, it may be a from a yid and a chsidish yid and inspired. He doesn't ask why am I here. He asks, what's Hashem's role in my life? Hashem, he's my provider. He gives me life. He gives me purpose. So he too has Hashem in his life. But Hashem is sort of serving him in a sense. I don't mean that in a bad way. It could be a very good yid. But his relationship to Hashem is he dives to Hashem and Hashem takes care of him. Him and the reality of his physical life are primary, just like in the analogy of the legs. It's all about the physical feet, but the feet are grateful that they have a soul so they can live. We're grateful that we have a Shem, that we have a Torah, and, he have a, and we have life, we have a source of life, we dive into him, we thank him. But primarily our starting point is us. A tzaddik, his starting point, his entire point is a Shem. He's just uh, privileged to be manifesting that truth. So you can't bring the two together. The tzaddik is busy his whole life just manifesting Enemovadeh, there's nothing but Hashem. That's his thought process. And that's his whole life. And that's his whole existence. And the Yid is busy being him in, in, in line with Hashem. It's, it's totally opposite. So how do you connect it to? And therefore, in past generations, just like in a human body, the head led the feet, but it didn't get involved in the details. The head tells the feet where to go. You should go to the right. You should go to the left. Go faster. Go slower. The feet doesn't need to know the details. The feet doesn't say, why are we going? What's the purpose of this meeting? <laughs> The feet are told to go, they go. And that's what it was. It's Adikim, they told you the halacha, they told you the direction, they even told you the inspiration. But we, the Yid, needs to know about Achtos Hashem. The Yid himself, the feet, needs to meditate on the fact that there's nothing besides Hashem. Why? Just like my feet don't need to know my head's business. It just has to follow. A person could be a frum Yid and serve Hashem and do all the mitzvahs without learning deep Amorim and Hasidus and meditating on the fact that everything that we see is completely Hashem and there's nothing besides at every moment that's not needed in order just to live a from life, presumably. You live from life. You know what it says in Shulchan Aruch. You know what the tzaddikim tell us to do. You even get some inspiration. And you have Yiddish mind that you develop, hopefully, over time. You're good to go. Your job is to be the feet. Comes along Hasidus. And the Rabbeim, the head, says to every single Hasid, Chabad, you have to spend time, to the best of your limited ability, to understand the way the head thinks. What does a chassid do? What is an average Joe busy with every single day learning some chassidus? To understand that there's no world. It's all God. There's nothing. Every second is creation. 
It's head business. Why are you so busy with it? Because the Chassidus has bridged the gap. The head permeates the feet. The feet are part of the head. There's no such thing. The feet said, let me mind my own business and you tell me what to do and I'll do it. The head says, no, no, no. I want you to be connected to me. I want you to have all the aspects of me in your life. But I've said this in a famous sicha, what is that Rebbe that he cannot tolerate that any of his inyonim are not reached to every single Jew? That's a quote. Think about that. <laughs> what does it mean, everything of his inyonim? What is a Rebbe? What is his inyonim? He's a Rebbe. He's busy every second revealing Hashem in the world and crying for the Mashiach. I mean, every second, everything about him. He wants that. The, the Rebbe said there shouldn't be a yid in his generation who doesn't have a connection to all of his inyanim. This is the explanation. The essence has to come to the furthest place and it has to integrate in that. To our ability, the feet's not going to become a head, but the feet should feel it. The chassid should learn on the chassid's level. We're not learning chassidus and, and splitting hairs on the differences of Achaz Hashem in order just to remain from even though today that's probably a necessary element too, and the Rebbe says that in other places. But on the face of it, you learn Shulchan Aruch, you get some inspiration, and you're from, you let the tzaddik do the thinking. Says the Rebbe, no, I want you to think. I want the feet to be thinking. And this is also expressed, says the Rebbe, in the fact that people ask a Rebbe brachas and advice in Gashmis, which wasn't customary, I guess, in the past before so much. What does the Rebbe know about medicine? Is he a doctor? What does he know about business? Is he an accountant? Is he a lawyer? Is he a business expert? You know, some tzaddikim know more things about the world than others. But the rule is, Hasidim didn't make a move and don't make a move without consulting the Rebbe. About everything. People think on a lowly level because the Rebbe is a prophet, so he knows. So it's just a matter of a technicality. Instead of going to my lawyer, because he has the information, that's not what it is. Because if that's the case, so what do I need to go there? I can go to the to the best lawyer, and he too will probably figure it out. The idea is that being that we're the Rebbe and the Chassid, the Inyanim are all connected, just like all the Rebbe's Inyanim reach the Chassid, all the Chassid's Inyanim, all the things that bother us, how we're going to make a living, our health, our children, our worries, our, our anxieties, but everything that bothers us little people, the Rebbe feels and has answers to and gets it. There is no chachism. There is no, it's totally integrated. He's not lonely or we're not lonely. We are supposed to know what he thinks and on our level. And he, on his level, knows exactly what bothers us. And he's got the answers. The Rebbe says in the original Sikha, when he said this, this idea that Chassidim asked the Rebbe for physical advice, normally a person says, you go to the Rebbe to learn a maimah. Go to the Rebbe to do business. What's going up on Mark on the market? Says the Rebbe, because who says that Teda, that a Lukus only speaks about a Maimah, that a Lukus is revealed in a Maimah? A Lukus is not limited to Teda. A Lukus is not limited to high level of Maimah revelation. A Lukus is in the market. This ties together with the whole theme of this Sikha. A Lukus is in the market, no different than it is in the Chumash, no different than it is in heaven. And therefore, you want to know what to do in the marketplace? Go to Ayid. Go to the Rebbe. Total integration. And the Rebbe says, 
What about Hashem? This is this is the kicker. This is ultimately the purpose of the whole project. That you should be Gila Lakus. So here too. But normally Hashem is revealed only through Shemalikim. Hashem hid himself through nature because he wants us to be able to exist with free choice as separate beings. He's hidden in nature. Then there's occasions when we use Shemavaya where Hashem himself is, is revealed his infinite light. And there's a miracle. But the two shall not meet. You want to see Hashem? Look for a miracle. Look in the Torah, you'll find miracles, splitting of the sea, heavenly bread. You want to see nature? Hashem completely veiled? Look in nature. Comes along, citizen and says, no. You want to see Hashem's essence? You want to see miracle? Look in nature. Nature is a constant miracle. The concept of Hashkoch is the concept of recreation every second. The Rebbe says further, you find it that the Chassidus uses analogies from nature to explain ideas of Hashem's essence, that there's nothing besides Hashem. One of the examples is that Yeshmeayim, which is a miracle creation, Hasidus in detail uses the example of how a seed is put in the ground and it sprouts, even though the seed has completely germinated, completely rotted. Now, how could you bring an example for Yeshmeayim, which is a divine miracle? Certainly Hashem Avayet, from something that's part of nature, which by definition represents concealment. The answer is because in the end, Hasidus says the world is really just another miracle. It's just an expression of Hashem. So what do we have so far? That this idea of connecting, bridging the highest to the lowest, this integration is found in Torah, it's found in the Jew, it's found in the Jewish people, it's found in Hashem. The Rebbe says this is the theme of Yutas Kislev. And the Rebbe says we can find it in the letter that the Rebbe wrote in connection with Yutas Kislev. And he used this, this language a few times in the letter. And he said, Hashem did wonders and greatness within the land, says the Rebbe. And he's, Signature style where every word of the Rabbeim is precise and perfect. If you look at this thing, you find a bunch of levels. The Shemalikim is nature. I want you to ignore the right column for now. Shemavaya Hashem means miracles. That's what the Alter Rebbe says that in Yutas Kislev we started to see Hashem. It doesn't say Alokim. But then we have the language of greatness and we have the language of wonders. So the Rebbe says this is different levels within miracle. This, of course, there's nature, then there's miracle, but there could be a miracle that is enclosed in nature, like Purim. It happened over a period of 10, 12 years. It, it was just totally natural. Really, it was miracle, but it was Shem Hashem completely concealed. Then you have Higdil, greatness. That's when you see a miracle in a, in a, in a more revealed way. The example would be the War of Jericho that they won. Totally outnumbered the War of Midian, where they went out to war. And not one was missing. In both of these cases, it was a miracle. Not one soldier missing. However, it was a miracle that had some grasp in nature. They went to war. You might say that could be the war of Hanukkah can go in that category. Then you have revealed miracle. The Rebbe gives the example of the, the victory of Cheskyo Amelech, where he said, I'm lying on my bed, and you'll fight my war. Overnight, 180,000 soldiers of the enemy were killed by, by an angel. But that out. So that Rebbe, look at the Alter Rebbe's language. He's hinting to all these levels. He's not mentioning Shem Alekim. He's saying, no, here we saw Hashem, we saw a miracle. But not just Hashem, we saw His greatness and His wonders. But where did we see it? We saw it in the land. The miracles happen naturally. 
You just kissed him. There was no lightning strike. There was no thunderbolt. There was no splitting of any seas. There was, so to speak, just happened, so to speak, diplom diplomatically. And what happened, though, for those who understand the nature of, of the czarist regime and, and of the accusations, this was miracles of wonders. But they happened in the land. You see that? So in that little phrase that Al-Tarebbe is mirroring, echoing the phrase this whole sikh is based on, the essence, the highest revelation comes down and integrates in the lowest. The natural order wasn't disturbed. It's like the person picking the fig, God forbid, on Shabbos. The natural fig says, you can't do this. It's like touching a fire. You're going to get burnt. Nature said, what does Hashem need? We'll do it in a total miraculous way, in a way of wonders. The end of the Sikha, the Rebbe says, how do you, how do you do this? What's the secret? We're talking about here, this whole idea is that we're bridging such distant things. So the Rebbe says the secret is by revealing the essence, which is really what Maynesecho means, this wellspring, not the water of the wellspring. When you reveal the essence of something, it's able to bridge the gaps. We just said that that's what Chassidus does within the Rebbe, within Yidin, within every Yid, within Torah, and within the world. Chassidus somehow says the things that were heretofore considered distant, not distant, extremes. You can't bridge them at all. And suddenly Chassidus says, I mean, they're completely one. In all the details they aforementioned. So the Rebbe, the secret is when you reveal the essence. And that's what's going to be the, the kicker, the main point of the Sikh in the end, bringing it all together. That in all these levels, what's revealed is not a highlight, a highlight, the highest, the highest light, an infinite light, the essence of it. And if it's the essence, it permeates everywhere. So the analogy I want to give is the famous story of the Alter Rebbe. Just using it by way of illustration, the Alter Rebbe is sitting in the Tzemach Tzedek, the, the future Rebbe, as a young child sitting on his lap. And the story goes that the Alter Rebbe says to the child, who is Ada? Where is grandpa? So he points to different parts of him. I don't know the details. Points to his beard. He says, that's not Zayda, that's Zayda's beard. Points to his eyes. That's not Zayda, that's Zayda's eyes. Points to his head. That's not Zayda, that's Zayda's head. Maybe he pointed to more things. And when the boy finally gave up on playing the game, later on he jumped off at Zayda's lap. And at some point, the Al-Tarebbe got up to leave the room. And as the Al-Tarebbe got up to leave the room, the Tzemach called out, Zayda! So al turned around. He said, oh! Here is Zayda. Clearly, this is a story of the Rabbi. So I'm suggesting, I haven't discussed this with Mashbim, that in this story lies this Sikha. When you look at a person, you look at Zayda, you look at any part of the person, the eyes are limited to the eyes. The ears can't see, only the eyes can see. The head is limited to the head, the eyes can't think. The hands limited to the hand. The feet can't do what the hands do. The eyes can't do what the feet can do. Every part of the body has its role and its function, and they're very different. God forbid they shouldn't cross over one to the other. There's different levels. Can you compare the level of light, of energy, of the nisham, of the soul, and the mind to the foot? From the heart to the, to the ears, to the eyes. Each one has its own function and a different level, its own spiritual space of where it functions. That's an example of how Hashem's light is limited in the world in each space. The course of nature. 
But then there's a time when Hashem says, look at a year, look at the, who is they there? Look at a person. Where's the person? Everywhere. Where is the soul? Where is the person? There isn't an address. The entire person from the head to the toes, completely, equally part of the soul. Completely alive. Even though on a specific level or specification, you cannot compare the function of the soul and the, the details, talents of the soul, and the mind, to the heart, to the feet, to the, to the, to the hands. You can't compare it. But in the soul's life, the foot is equally alive as the brain and vice versa. Does the say Here's the person. So I think I'm suggesting that this is the purpose of the story. You don't have to accept that to, to understand the sikha. But I'm still for taking the liberty of using it as a marshal. The Al-Tarebbe is teaching us, who is the Zayda? I'm going to teach you. You want to know what Taita is? You want to know where Taita is? The entire Torah. It's not limited to one place or other. Let me just take one second to, therefore, play it out the way it is in a person. When you talk about the person's various functions and each part of the body is limited to do what it does, and they don't cross over, the mind does what the mind does, the hand does what the hands do, that's what call an example within a person of Shemalakim of nature. When you have, let's say, a, a talented artist where his hands, let's say, extraordinarily talented artist, a musician, what have you, I'm suggesting that the hands almost start expressing the brain. So you're seeing an example of miracle, but it's integrated. Nobody says that an artist is a miracle, but but it's kind of sort of miraculous. Then you have sometimes miracle in the sense that it's it's bridging that gap from 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 mind to fingers, or great dancers, or talented sportsmen, whatever it is. You sort of see a, a breakthrough. Then you have even more so. You know, it says in time of danger, a person can do crazy things. He can leap off a building. He can lift up a car to save a child. People have done it. So here, here I'm calling it greatness miracles. You see the miracle level of soul, the, the rotsin, the willpower, which is infinite, really. Nothing stands in the way of willpower, integrating into the person and his muscles. His muscles are doing things which he cannot do. But it didn't become him, though. Proof is that the next day he can't do it. There's no way. He cannot fathom how he did it. So he didn't change, even though there was an expression of miracle. It came. To the outside, but it didn't integrate. Then you have in the land that all this happens through nature as nature remains. The physical fig understands it. Shabbos. That's that's the analogy of the soul being everywhere, equally the hands, the feet, the mind, the eyes, the toes. He's alive. And therefore, and therefore, the whole person is alive. Coming back, so this plays itself out at all these levels. That when you look at Tata, when a person understands, when a person looks at Tata in the detailed way, is the deeper parts of Tata, the head of Tata, plays the body of Torah, the soul of Torah. They don't cross. Body and soul are very different makeups. The head, the mind, the heart, they're very different. One impacts the other, but, but but they're not the same. But when you learn Tata in a way of, who's the Zayda? Where's Tata? Tata? It's the essence of Tata. You can find it in Kabbalah. You can find it in Chassidus. You can find it in Arashi. You can find it in Amaynusha Malacha. Exactly the same. It's one thing. It's Tata Sashem. That's what Chassidus revealed. Not a great light of Tata. The wellspring, the essence of Tata. The essence. It's the Zayda. It's the life force. Equal. Everywhere. Hence, a person learns Nigla. 
He learns it like a chaser. They learn chassidish. He learns it like nigla. It's one and the same, as we explained earlier. The same thing within the Jew. The Jew, you look at his intellect and his faith. The two parts of it. How could you compare what I could compare with my mind to what I believe in my soul? My soul believes it because it sees it or saw it. My mind is a limited function of a limited being. It's it can't compare. It's infinity versus the finite. Comes along. What do you mean? This is a yid. A yid is in a shama. What part of the yid is in the shama? Everything. When you talk about the zayda, the essence, the yichida, therefore the mind functions emunah-like, and vice versa. There isn't a place to look. It's all the same. Same thing within the Jewish people. When a yid starts to understand that the Rebbe and Chassid, it's really one neshama. It's all part of Hashem. Even though you can't compare it, it's an infinite an infinite, an infinite difference. But on the essential level, just like the mind and the toe and the toenails, and the terms of life, they're exactly the same. If you look at life, you don't look at function. And therefore, who is the Zayda? Where's the Yid? The Yid is an extension of Rebbe and vice versa. And therefore, the two integrate completely, as I said earlier. And also the Chassid's physical needs and physical problems are the Rebbe's problems. And he understands it, and he has the answer, and vice versa. The chassid is inspired by the Rebbe to learn and understand and be bothered by the fact that when he sees something that, that it, it seems to be a conflict to that, it doesn't let him sleep. You see what a chassid does? He's busy understanding that there's nothing besides Hashem, and every second is recreation. That's the job of an average Jew? Of course. How not? He's part of Yechida Klolis. He's part of the essence of Jew. He may be a toe, he may be a toenail, but he's part of it. And on the essential level, there is no difference. It's all Zayd, it's all alive. Achaz is a rabbit. On the essence. And that's what Chassidus did. In one word, it just revealed the essence. The essence of what? Of the Jew, of the Torah, and of Hashem. Through Torah, everything happens through Torah. And that's why we talk about Yitzh Kislev as a revealing of Torah, but it's not just about revealing a lot of Torah. It's about revealing a lot of Hashem and a lot of the Yid. Because they're all one. And same thing with Hashem. And again, this dichotomy, that you, nature says nature, miracle says miracle, and the two should not cross, that is nice, but that's a gullus mentality. The chassidus mentality and the, the idea of Mashiach is going to be that the two become one because chassidus reveals the, the essence of Hashem. And therefore, in nature, you see, Lekos, I want to point out that this is perhaps why we see that people look at the Rebbe's life and the Rebbe's leadership. And a lot of it the Rebbe is doing is to reach outreach to Yidin. Outreach. And sometimes people wonder, what's that connected with Chabad? Chabad is revealing Chassidus and Mamorim. Look at all the Rebbe. Of course, they also did other works that had to be done as Jewish leaders, but primarily that's what a Chassidish Rebbe does. And they have also revealed tremendous amount of chassidus. Even more and deeper. But this whole big thing of the Rebbe and Shluchim and Hafatza and Mifzayim and changing the world, all of this seems to be separate apart. He looked at the world, he said, the world needs it. So, you know, I'm going to take away time that I would love to learn chassidus and teach chassidus and do this. But it's not necessarily related to the Chabad. Says this sicha now. And the Rebbe brings it clearly in the footnote. That, that's exactly one and the same. What does it mean, Chabad? integration, find the essence, and on that level, the deepest parts of Torah and the simple parts of Torah are connected. The greatest Jew and the simplest Jew are one and the same. And therefore, where do I see it that, that this is the revelation of the essence? Only 
if I love that distant Jew and I and I appreciate the value of the Shev Mitzvah that distant guy, because it's all integrated, it's all part of Hashem's world. So the 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 idea of of Kiruv, of reaching out to Yidden, this is exactly Giliachsidis. In fact, where do you see that this becomes the final language of the Sikha? Where do you see that this is essence when it goes to a place that's not a ready receptacle for it? I said this at the beginning of the class that, that what does it mean that you are the great Chacham in a way of infinity? Not that you could teach even the most simple student, but you could teach the stone. Because if it's infinity, it has to reach a place which is not a vehicle of Kali for it. Otherwise, it's not the essence. It's just a great light, and it went far. But it can't go to a place where it's not receptacle. When we say, this is Hashem's essence, this is the wellsprings of Torah, and the wellsprings of Hashem, the wellsprings of Yiddishkeit, the essence of Hashem being revealed, it's revealed in a place. It's a rock. It's totally no revelation. So based on this, where do you see the power of the Rebbe's Messias, the Rebbe's leadership, of course, in the Chassidus, and including in the way that Rebbe manifests this in tangible examples. Down further, further, Rebbe explains that the Rebbeim subsequently, each generation brought it down more to the human mind, etc. The Rebbe brought it much more, much more down. But way beyond that, that you see a year that the has no connection to anything, and you find that Yid's a shaman, that Yid does a mitzvah, and that Yid wants to know about Achtas Hashem. Wow, that's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. And I dare say even beyond the Shev Mitzvah Bereneach. It's not talked about in the Sikha, so I'm, I'm not. So based on this, we come back to the beginning and explain that when we say we have the lowest and the highest, the purpose of Chassidus, why Chassidus is coming because it's the darkest time and it's nearing the brightest time, the two are one and the same. In what way is it nearing the brightest time? Because it's the darkest time. What is the brightest time? That the essence of Hashem will be manifest. Where do you see that the essence is manifest only when it comes to a place which is not a receptacle for it? It's the darkest. You look at the world and say, how could the world be ready for Mashiach? How could the world? It's so coarse. It's so lowly. It's so confused. It's such a mess. It's so distant. It's a chayshech kafal mechupal. It's completely it's like dark in essence. It's like a rock. And you want to teach it the greatest wisdom? You give me the darkest time. Now I'm going to give you chassidus. Because that is the that is exact the flip side of the same coin. That's what the brightest time is about. Not to reveal a lot of Taita, a tremendous amount, the greatest light of Taita, the essence of Taita. And if the essence is revealed, as we said in the whole Sikha, it permeates everything. There isn't a space that's devoid of it. Give me the darkest time, and that darkness shines. And that's manifest also in Yaakov remaining alone, having these two divergent meanings. It's the essence of Yechida that's revealed here. The aloneness of a Yid is like the aloneness of Hashem. And he's collecting small jugs. But now we know two, two are one and the same. What is a Yid? A manifestation of the essence of Hashem. If it's the essence, there is no tiny jug that's unimportant. There is no tiny thing. And now, as they clearly told us, we're, we're fixing the Pachim Ketanim, the last sparks, the last buttons that have to be polished. At every one of our little mitzvahs, at every one of our little actions in our own small, tiny way, finishing the last sparks. This is uh, the greatest manifestation, even as we're doing it so many years after Gimel Tamas and the Gellis seems darker and darker. This little jugs that we're collecting, each on our own little level, another Sicha, another Maimer, another Mitzvah, another Mitzvah, another day of Yiddish Shemaim, etc. We're dealing on very low levels. There's nothing small. There's nothing small about a Yid's little actions. That smallness is a place of simplicity and darkness. 
where the essence of the Yid is manifest, and by extension, it's the essence of the Rebbe, the essence of Tere, the essence of Hashem. 